You're listening to the Handmade CEO Podcast. My name is Kiana Jones, artist and founder of Happening Hands, a community that helps makers and creative business owners build thriving, profitable businesses. Every week on our podcast, we discover the steps and motivation that inspire our guests to create income from their skills. Get ready to start learning how to build that profitable handmade or creative business that you've always dreamed of. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Handmade CEO Podcast. I'm so excited to welcome today's guest, Doug Heifetz. Doug creates his artwork to celebrate surprising transformations and to make upcycling irresistible. Through his small studio operation, Lost and Forged, he offers a wide range of original jewelry, accessories, Judaica items, and decor pieces, all made by hand from antique silverware and other reclaimed metal objects. He began his artistic work in 2015, and since then, Doug has shipped his pieces to buyers in dozens of countries overseas and to all 50 states here in the U.S. Without further ado, a big welcome to Doug. Thank you, Kiana. I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here, Doug. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about yourself. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey to becoming an artist, and how did that all come about, and when was it clear to you that you know you could do this as a business and make money from it? So it was a long time before I thought of myself as an artist. I started making things around the summer of 2015. I needed something to do with my hands. uh, And I I wanted something to do with my hands while watching TV late at night. The rest Mm -hmm. of the family was asleep. And I started bending things, silverware especially. (laughs) I had a college roommate once who bent a couple of forks of of stainless steel cafeteria forks into bracelets and thought, maybe I'll give that a try. And... uh, started trying it it was it was the results were scratchy and very uh-huh. very rough and i started looking for advice online uh mm-hmm. and seeing what other and particularly seeing what other people were doing uh and i was just fascinated and wanted to try everything that i saw and uh, started and students started having all kinds of ideas of other things i wanted to make things even that i'd never seen before yeah. and started learning partly by advice online, mostly by trial and error, lots of error. And eventually also took like a eight, an eight session intro to silversmithing class or intro to metalsmithing class, jewelry oriented. But during that process, a couple months in, I started posting just on my personal Facebook uh, timeline, some of the crazy mm-hmm. things I was making. And so, and almost to my surprise, some people, friends started saying, hey, where, where can we buy those? And I, I wasn't quite sure, but I... Uh, <laughs> already spending some money on on materials and on tools uh actually rather an endless supply of of materials and tools and thought well you know maybe that can help fund this fund this operation and in the meantime i was really interested i was also very interested in starting a profitable business um Mm -hmm. i had a full-time job i was uh the full-time rabbi of a synagogue and i I work that i still do on on a very part-time basis um Mm -hmm. but i was really drawn to the idea of of entrepreneurship that was more completely of my own creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing led to another, and soon this became sort of my main business, my main my main job. That's amazing. Um, so you just kind of fell into it and, you know, you took that inspiration and ran with it. Pretty much. And I'd already been working on a couple of other business ideas. And yeah. soon, really, all I wanted to focus on was these businesses. And mm-hmm. eventually, I, you know, cleared it up, cleared up with the congregation that I was going to be moving on. And by Mm -hmm. the time 
the paycheck stopped, there was only one business that was one of those three businesses that had been working on that was making money. And so I thought, okay, this is, it wasn't the only thing I did. I had to do some other, you know, had to do some yeah. other things, still do other things also. But um, at that point, it became my main occupation. Yeah. So I was looking online, just kind of doing some digging on you. And I saw the mobile boutique that you have, which is so cool. Can you tell me about that? And like, where did the idea come from? Because you have this mobile booth that you can kind of take anywhere. Yes. So the mobile boutique is sort of like, I mean, it helps to see pictures or even video of it to understand yeah. it. But it's essentially like a cabin, a small cabin that I transport on a trailer. And mm -hmm. then I take the trailer once I get to the booth location and I can fit it into just a 10 by 10 booth. Yeah. I, I boost the, the cabin up in the air using corner mm -hmm. jacks. I pull the trailer out from underneath it and set the cabin down on the ground. Uh, so okay. there's only like a six inch. So, so it's not on when people see it, when I'm open at an art fair, I usually use it for um, art fairs and festivals, both indoor and outdoor. Mm -hmm. uh, and when people see it and it's open for business, it's no longer up on wheels. It's down on the ground and there's about a six inch step up to get in and I can okay. totally level it, you know, cause so many art festivals are outdoor art festivals are on uneven pavement. Uh, mm -hmm. so mine will have a little step up, but once you get inside the floor is totally even, whereas everybody else is on the floor is the uneven pavement. Uh, okay. Anyway, but the main advantages for me are that I can, one, I can have a space that's very well suited to my, to my work and yeah. I can just keep it. It's, it's permanent. So it's portable, but permanent. So I can actually keep all the jewelry busts and stands in place. They're all fastened to the shelves and I can keep a lot of the jewelry pieces right there on, on the busts and the, the ring fingers and all of that uh, without packing everything away. Uh, and that addresses that really that comes out of my frustration about how difficult setup was for shows, yeah. um, that it would take me forever. Uh, and then I, 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 I found it nearly impossible. Um, yeah. it would take me a really long time. I was constantly building new things that I thought would go with my brand and I thought it would be simpler, but in the end they were very difficult. Um, yeah. and, and the wind would come and knock everything. It would take me forever. I, you know, I don't, I guess some like fine jewelers might just set up 10 pieces to be visible, but I want 200, 250 pieces visible and for people to be able to try them on without yeah. try on rings, without asking me to, you know, hand them each one. Uh, yeah. I like people to be able to browse, pick them up, pick things up on their own, try them on. You know, mm -hmm. if my price point were a thousand and up, I probably wouldn't do that. But most of my mm -hmm. stuff is between about 30 and 200. Um, okay. I, I have things more that are more than that, but anyway, and I want people to just be able to freely try it on. I want, and so I want about 200 pieces showing and right. it would take me forever to get all of them just right. And then maybe the wind would come and knock everything over. And I just mm -hmm. found it exasperating. And I thought either I'm going to find a different way to do this, or I'm going to stop doing shows. And yeah. soon the shows were the most profitable thing I, I was doing. So that actually sounds so much safer, even for your jewelry, than having to set up. And, you know, things can, can kind of dinged up the more you move them around. Absolutely. Um, so there was an initial construction a few years ago. And mm -hmm. then uh, recently I did some renovations. The initial construction, I, I sent some images to a friend, essentially some sketches to a friend who's a master carpenter mm. and talked to him about building it. And he was excited and he had been interested in starting to build tiny homes anyway. And this was closely related. And uh, so, cool. so he was very excited about it. And we, you know, 
agreed on price and everything. And he did all the initial construction, but then increasingly I a lot more still needed to be done. First of all, it needed to be finished, shelving, painting, uh, signage. I did all that, um, mm -hmm. stain the floor, things like that. Um, but there, there was also a lot more to be done. At the time, it didn't have the jacks that help you yeah. take it off the, tr the trailer. So my thought had been that I would use it either in convention centers where they have a forklift available and were willing yeah. to lift it off for me, or I would use it outdoors and keep it up on its wheels. And soon I realized that I, in many shows, keeping it up on wheels was not an option. Yeah. Um, and I just... I didn't like the idea of people having to go up a small staircase, even if it was only three or four steps mm -hmm. that just seemed too like too much of a commitment for easy browsing from the sidewalk. Yeah. That makes um, sense. Too much of a change from looking in and the pieces would be further away if it was, and then a commitment to walk up the steps. I didn't want people to feel like I wanted people just to be able to step in yeah. um, without having to make that kind of commitment to go up steps. Anyway. So I started thinking about it and brainstorming and spent like six months trying all kinds of different jacks, automotive mm -hmm. jacks of different kinds. And I tried different jacks for trailers and for mechanical work on cars. And, and then yeah. until I finally found something called, and to some people would be obvious to me, it was not something called a camper jack, okay. <laughs> which is essentially for <laughs> camper, for a truck bed camper. Um, mm -hmm. One type of people put a, a camper, like a camping cabin in the bed of their truck. Mm -hmm. and in the bed of a pickup truck and then the, they have often they'll have a set of jacks that can boost it out and then truck can drive away so eventually i figured out that i could use something like that that was the closest to what i was looking for and that okay. finally made it possible for me to safely lift it up without a forklift just when i get to a show boost yeah. it up in a few minutes take out the trailer take a couple more minutes to set it down on the ground um and that use it sounds use a, so easy I, I, I use I use a cordless drill, um, okay. so that makes it a lot easier. I could hand crank it also, but that takes a lot longer. And cordless right. drill is just way better. A cordless drill is what let me, I should clarify. That's what let, lets me operate the jacks to boost it up, set okay. it back down. And it is for me. I, I I've never gotten it quite as simple as I wanted, but it's just way better than yeah. anything else I ever tried on setup. Like I at this point. Mm -hmm. um, set up using my mobile boutique or mobile gallery it's mm -hmm. it's a major consideration in my shows if there there are occasionally shows where they don't let where they don't want me to use that most shows are fine with it um, yeah. but there are occasionally shows i want to do and so it's a careful decision is that sh is, is that show going to be worth it for, you know assuming i get into the show is that show going to be yeah. worth it for me to do or not mm -hmm. um and of course i it's it's a major plus if i can use my preferred setup yeah, that's awesome. That sounds so much easier than having, to, you know, I've talked to makers who they're like, yeah, I need to get there at four o'clock in the morning and right. spend right. three plus hours setting up my tent and I have to hire someone to help me because yeah. I don't have help and it's just such a hassle. So that's yes. such a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I always do it alone. And in some ways, mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, if you can have somebody else, that's better. Always. Yeah, of course. This lets me do it easily, easily alone. Yeah. And the and the and the main work I have to do involves putting out new pieces that I haven't had before, putting mm -hmm. on price tags for things I didn't have before. But that would have to happen no matter what the setup was. Right. Yeah. Wow. So thank you for sharing. Are you already prepping for the holiday craft show season and want to make the best of it? Join Happening Hands to get access to our mini course on how to have a successful holiday craft show. 
It comes with a craft show booth essentials checklist and a walkthrough on how to make your market banner in Canva. Simply go to happeninghands.com and sign up for your first three days free. All right, back to the show. In 2017, you were able to get your spoon rings into the Golden Globe gift bags. How did you go about landing that opportunity and what did it do for your business? Okay, so that was uh, at the GBK Celebrity Gifting Lounge for the Golden in honor of the Golden Globes in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I did that as part of a group called the Artisan Group. Uh, okay. and that and it's a group that does product placement and gifting opportunities for sm- small handmade artisans. Yeah. Uh, and it was tons of fun. And I think the main it did it did bring some sales. Um, but I think the main thing it did was to uh, sort of excite my my customer base, the people who already yeah. followed me, people who read my emails, stuff like that, mm-hmm. to give them a reason to feel even more excited about my pieces and to mm-hmm. read and to to engage more. And it did give me a bunch of also great pictures and you know for content. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. So do you have any creative projects in the works that you'd be interested in sharing? Nope. No sharing. No, just kidding. Yes, of nope. course. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I have some creative projects. Uh, so one is my uh, Golden Bronze collection. It's a new collection okay. that I've just released in the last few days. Um, nice. It's just available to the public now. First, it was just available to my email list. And it's, uh, I use, I make it all from very unusual bronze silverware. So when okay. people think of silverware jewelry, they think, of course, of silver tone, either sterling or, or silver plate. I use both those materials a lot. Um, and this one is a gold tone bronze. Everything's from mm-hmm. this very unusual bronze silverware. And it's a very bold look. And to me, it's partly about um, living a life of, of boldness, uh, yeah. of, of, of bold decisions. You know, all of us are mm-hmm. as individuals, I think, to live our very best lives, to live a life that is most meaningful to each of us, we can't just accept a cookie cutter mold. Um, mm. If we do, then it's very hard to live a life that is as meaningful as we want, as as happy, as fulfilling. Mm. And so we have to be bold about making decisions that are not expected. I think it's always bold in some ways when people wear my jewelry. Instead of conventional jewelry, they're using yeah. handmade, artistically transformed pieces of silverware to wear as jewelry. Yeah. I think that's always bold. And it's even more so if it's not even silver at all, and instead mm-hmm. it's this gold tone bronze. And so I wanted to sort of celebrate life of boldness through through this collection. And uh, anyway, and it's the type of material that I've used sometimes before that's been very popular at my shows. Okay. Um, but I wanted to get sort of a thorough collection of these to build more mm-hmm. pieces around this material, this unusual bronze silverware, and get sort of a thorough collection of it up online. That's really cool. I've actually never seen bronze silverware. I I don't think I've ever seen that. So yeah, that sounds really interesting and unique. I'll definitely have to check that out. It's unusual. Tons of fun. Tons of fun. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm happy about it. And That's excited really cool. to keep to keep to keep making it. Uh, another project is that I recently renovated the mobile boutique. The main thing okay. was that I um, the outside of it usually the the front mm-hmm. wall was always open. So. People didn't usually see that, but the sides, the the sides and the back were corrugated steel from uh, old barn roofs, and it was fairly okay. rusty, kind of rustic look. And topically, it goes with my work. My work's all about reclaimed metals, uh, mm-hmm. so that that fits. But it also just looked kind of dingy, and I, I was ready for something different. Uh, yeah. And so I I redid the outside in in cedar, 
and it looks, nice. it looks really nice. And then had to repaint and stuff like that, you know, because it yeah. was time after a few after a few years of using it. Uh, the mm -hmm. use is heavy because you're traveling with it and you know carrying tons of things around. Yeah, definitely. So, what does the concept of transformation mean for you and for the work you're doing? All right. So my work celebrates surprising transformations. Mm -hmm. And for me, transformation is both personal and and more global. On mm -hmm. the personal level, that each of us can can transform, even no matter what uh, you know, no matter what the patterns of our lives may be, we can make ourselves better people. We can uh, transform to to a life that is more meaningful, that is more fulfilling, more happy, more more uh, and kinder and more sharing. Uh, mm -hmm. Often people need support to make their lives, uh, you know, again, to, to move beyond cookie cutter molds and yeah. to, to transform so that their lives better engage their passions, uh, have more time for loved ones, et cetera. And that's not easy to do. Um, yeah. So my, my work is intended to inspire that sort of transformation and to show people, mm -hmm. you know, through the, through the jewelry, and the products I make to show people transformations that surprise them. First, you look mm -hmm. and you just see a contemporary jewelry piece. You look closer and you see a story of, of a, a silverware piece or some other old object that was transformed. Um, yeah. and, and it often gets a sense of, often gets like a double take or a sense of surprise and delight. Mm -hmm. And I hope it inspires people toward other kinds of transformations that might at first seem difficult. That might truly be difficult, but that may be worthwhile. On the more global level, of course, I'm also interested in transformation uh, toward a world that is more compassionate, more mm -hmm. uh, less le where people are less afraid of differences, less afraid mm -hmm. of the other, um, and and all around kinder. And yeah, and again, that's... I hope that my pieces can support people mm -hmm. toward moving our world in that direction. Absolutely, that's so beautiful, and I, I love that you have kind of infused this message into your branding and your um, your everyday practice because, you know, it makes it so much more than just about the jewelry and mm -hmm. about the art that you're creating. And it's, it's just, it brings that level of meaningful that, um, you know, not every single brand out there has. And so I'm just, mm -hmm. it's, it's great to hear that from you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So what are your top three favorite books on business and or creativity? So I recently read a book called Stoned, Jewelry, Obsession, and How Desire Shapes the World. And the nice. author, her name is, I don't know if she says Aja or Aha, A-J-A, Raiden. <laughs> uh, and it's a really good book about um, how lux how sort of appetites, how sort of market appetites for luxury goods are formed. Formed, okay. sustained, cultivated. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, talks about things like um, all kind. You know, talks about uh, diamonds because apparently diamonds are neither rare nor nor do they fit the traditional expectations of what beautiful gemstones should be. The classic mm -hmm. uh, ancient gemstone that was you know for hundreds or thousands of years desired was something like an emerald that has a lot of color. Okay. Uh, yeah, and a diamond is colorless and apparently not as rare, not nearly as rare as we are trained to believe. And so Interesting. It, was, it was a market, a multi-generation marketing effort, particularly by the De Beers family that led to it be su to be such a desirable, even necessary uh, commodity or necessary luxury item that even 
today so many people see as not a, a um, not discretionary but rather necessary and the ultimate sign of a desirable jewelry gemstones uh, mm -hmm. it also talks about examples about tulip market in netherlands and all kinds of other interesting historical examples and it's written in a you know pretty fun way yeah fascinating i'll have to check that one out uh, another I want to mention a, a podcast that I've listened to. I'm a frequent listener to the Product Powerhouse podcast by Aaron okay. Alexander, which especially mm -hmm. focuses on um, Shopify users, mm -hmm. so entrepreneurs, yeah. product-based product -based entrepreneurs who use Shopify as their uh, web platform. I think it's especially any any product-based business, small business would find yeah. it very relevant, but especially if you use Shopify. Um, and nice. then I love content by Gary Vee. Uh, always inspiring and fun and, and, chal <laughs> mm -hmm. and challenging. Yeah. So those awesome. are a few, one book and a couple of other resources. Nice. Thank you so much, Doug. Uh, my last question is, do you have any special offers for our listeners? Yes. I will be delighted to offer our listeners a 20% discount off of any spoon ring on my website. And there are dozens and dozens of types of spoon rings on my website with gemstones, without gemstones, gold tone, mm -hmm. silver tone, etc. Uh, the discount code for my website is handmade CEO 20. Handmade nice. CEO 20, no punctuation for that 20% discount. Nice. Thank you so much, Doug. And we'll make sure to link that in the show notes on our website so that you can find it there as well. So thank you so much for coming onto the show today, Doug. I wish you the best with your next shows coming up and I can't wait to see this new collection that you've got out. Thank you so much, Kiana. I'm delighted yeah. to be with you. And uh, I, I appreciate all the support you're giving to the world of, of entrepreneurs out there. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the Handmade CEO podcast. Check out the show notes to get a closer look at our guest today and our special offers. Most importantly, check out and join our membership for makers, Happening Hands, where we feature courses, workshops, monthly coaching, and more for makers and creative business owners who are ready to bring their businesses to the next level. You can do this by going to www.happeninghands.com. See you next time. And until then, don't forget that no dream is too big to turn into your dream job.